Hello, 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 and welcome to a brand new episode of Squad Up, a podcast about games, games of all kinds. I am your host, Eduardo, and today, unbeknownst to my two co-hosts today, is a very special day because it is the 30th episode of the Squad Up podcast. Whoa. I can't believe we've done 30 of these. That is honestly insane. Um, I don't even know what to say at this point because I, when we started this, we were like, let's start, you know, let's start doing some, let's start streaming, let's start podcasting. This is going to be great. And here we are uh, 30 episodes later and what a time to be alive. Um, but joining me today, as always, is my cohort. He is the man that wears the hat for the climate that he is not in. It is Peaches. Peaches, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Hey, living the dream. How are you? I didn't know I was an entire collection of people. I thought I was just me. (laughs) (laughs) But that makes me feel kind of good about myself. Yo, I didn't know 30 was a milestone uh, episode either. Like 30 is like a nice, nice, even tens number, I guess. It's pretty good. When did we actually start? Do you know the like actual origin? I don't actually know the date. Oh, no. I thought you might know that. I feel kind of sad. I do not. Wow. You forgot our anniversary. Classic. Well, classic Eduardo. You're sleeping on the couch tonight, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we have a very special guest with us, joining us all the way from PA. I rhymed that on the fly. It's Angela. Angela, how's it going? <laughs> it's going great. Hello. How are you? Welcome. Welcome to the show. Um, how's life going? Um, for those that don't know, Angela is betrothed to our very own sound engineer, uh, Chris, who has been on the show multiple times. Betrothed, I say. Um, so how's that going? The whole going, going good. Still planning. The whole betrothal. Still, thing. Yeah. Still going. <laughs> it's yep. Still on. So. Surprised. <laughs> not really. Um, not a surprise. Apparently there's some stuttering happening with the stream, but don't worry, our sound guy will edit all this nonsense out, this nonsense out later. But he really didn't. Nice. Uh, that sound guy. That sound guy. <laughs> that sound guy, though. Are you guys still seeing stuttering, or has thing, have things leveled out? I took my medication. That was a, that was a really stupid joke. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I think I can put down the bit rate and we'll be fine. It's my bitrate paw. I'll do it. Put down the bitrate just a little bit. There's a put down joke. I'm not. I'm not doing so well today. <laughs> okay, so we seem to be stable now. All right, Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> but before we let you into the squad, before we let you be a part of this really coveted group, this very close put together net network, other things that involve nets of people. We need to hear one thing. We need to hear your top five video games of all time. Angela, That's enlighten us. Okay. Um, well, uh, so I, just brief backstory. I um, did not grow up with a, having a console. Uh, my parents didn't want to get me one because they thought, oh, she'll never do her homework if we get her a console. Um, Facts. So, you know, I mean, jokes on them because then I just watched a lot of TV. But- my dad was big into PC games and I would sit on his lap and, you know, play with him or I'd like sit and watch or whatever. And so I kind of really enjoyed computer games from that. Um, so I found that kind of my favorite kind of game is the one where 
either first or third person, you're going around, you're finding stuff, you're solving riddles, you're, you know, occasionally fighting, but that's not like the main gist of the game. Um, and the games I really enjoyed were the Harry Potter games that came out for PC and I guess other consoles, but I didn't pay attention to that. Um, and my favorite was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So as my as one of my five. Um, the reason I chose that one is because the first two I enjoyed a lot. Um, they just, they were a little clunky in places and there were certain like mini games or things I didn't quite enjoy as much, but then the third one was a lot smoother. Um, I loved the gameplay of it. Um, I loved, you know, just the secrets that were hidden everywhere and everything. It was just a great game. Um, and then I barely remember Goblet of Fire. I thought it sucked and didn't really pursue that game and then five and six were cool they were just very different from how the first three were done like the first three didn't try too hard to mimic the movie or anything um so yeah prisoner of azkaban um and then star wars battlefront 2 the 2005 original <laughs> you almost had a lot of really you almost had a lot of real angry people in here ea almost heard I... you and charged you to finish your sentence <laughs> <laughs> All right, Star Wars Battlefront. What? Star Wars what? You have to unlock that DLC. <laughs> so Star Wars Battlefront 2 from 2005. Um, it's funny because normally I'm not a fan of those games where all you do is fight. But I loved being immersed in the worlds, you know, all the different maps you could go to. And, you know, because I'm a huge Star Wars fan and the music is great and all the different, you know, types of characters you could play as and um, playing as the Jedi or the Sith was really awesome. And that was actually the first game I played multiplayer on. Um, and really one of the few I've ever played multiplayer on. I really got into that. So um, Civilization V is another one that I love. Um, I really enjoy PC games with, you know, like building towns, building cities, building civilizations. Um, you know, strategizing and uh, researching things. And so I really loved that game. Um, and that one's then, pretty new, isn't it? Like, compared to That's the... Yeah, that it, it was a couple years ago. Because they now have Civilization Six. I don't really like that one. Um, oh. the, way, the way they do the map is weird. But Civilization Five was great. <laughs> so I still play that a lot on Steam. And, um, yeah, Civilization... I grew up watching my dad play... Civ games and colonization, which is like another version of that game, and then like Age of Empires. So anything where you're like building and it's set in like the olden times, I eat that stuff up. Um, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, which again I did not grow up with a console, and I played that game in my mid twenties thanks to Chris the Sound Man. Um, who got me acquainted with many Nintendo games. Um, but he knew because of the kind types of games that I liked that I would like this game a lot. And I really did. I thought it was brilliant. Um, you said Ocarina of Time and Eduardo just like blew up internally for some reason. And I'm really curious what's going why? on. Well, no, it's because it's, you're like maybe the third or fourth person that's come on here and talked about Ocarina of Time. And you're talking about it to two people that have never played Ocarina of Time. Oh, I knew Zach it. hadn't we played it. Oh, okay. I also haven't played it. I've played, oh. I've played a little bit of it, a little bit, but like much, much later, like you, like significantly later. Yeah. Um, and I never actually finished it. Braille sighting. 
What do you like about it? Because you've played a lot of Zelda games at this point. What would you say is better about it than other Zelda games? Because it's it, it seems to be a top favorite for a lot of people, though. Right. Um, I, I don't have a whole lot of patience for the old-timey ones, the side-scrolling games. Um, sorry, all the original Nintendo people that would hate me for this saying that, but I just, I can't, it's... It stresses me out. You just like go around forever, like trying to find things, and it, I don't know. I don't have patience for those. Yeah, <laughs> I, which I, is funny because I. Confusing. Yes, and I, I did. I tried playing. What's the one you really like? Link to the Past. That's my favorite and, one. Yeah. Granted, I didn't get too far with that, and I should probably give it another shot at some point. But um, agree. Yeah, the Pokemon games because <laughs> I, I had a Game Boy growing up. That was like the only console that my parents let me have so i did get like pokemon blue and i did really enjoy that and that was kind of a side scrolling thing but um yeah with zelda i couldn't really get into that um ocarina of time really harkened back to those pc games i love the 3d um and kind of similar level of graphics to like prisoner of azkaban um triangles yeah seriously (laughs) um but no i still think i still think it's a beautiful game like even with those graphics and um, I really enjoy Breath of the Wild. I haven't finished it yet, um, but I guess I don't know. Sometimes I get easily like stressed out, or like I get anxiety from certain games when there's like too much to do. Like there's just so much to do, and there's just like infinite possibilities of oh. <laughs> 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 Foreshadowing. I see why um, you're laughing. <laughs> but, <laughs> Eduardo's a little slow on the uptake. He got there. <laughs> I got there eventually. <laughs> I think he was like waiting for me to say the next thing. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I, I really enjoy Breath of the Wild. There's just, there's so much and like you can do things in any order, which is really cool. I mean, I really admire that the way they've did that game. I just, um, sometimes I like when things are in a set order. Um, so that's why I guess Ocarina kind of beats that out for me. So. Sure. So that's four. So what, and then what kind of infinite possibilities were you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should ask. That leads me to my fifth top five game of all time, Bioshock Infinite. What? what? Wow. 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 <laughs> Um, I want to hold you. I want to, I'm going to pause you there because one, I want to talk a little bit more about the games that you've already talked about, but mostly I want to wait so we can talk about Bioshock Infinite because for those that don't know, because for whatever reason it's not showing up here and I haven't said it so far yet, we're talking all about Bioshock, the first one, the second one, and Bioshock Infinite um, at the later part of this episode. Um, but Angela, I, I, I really like having you on because I feel like a lot of the people that we've had on the show, and this isn't like a negative thing, but have a lot of similar perspectives with games. They are you know, born and bred gamers, they play games a lot, they have very similar, you know, sort of taste in games, and it's kind of refreshing to see somebody be like, you know what, I don't like fighting especially, I like, you know, building things and creating and seeing worlds and things like that, so it's refreshing to see that perspective. Um, I'm going to be 100% honest and say, I do not like those kind of games, the like, (laughs) top-down, like, civilization style. I just, man, I've even tried playing like RTSs, which is like the more combat-y type of those kind of games and I still can't do it. Um, so I applaud you for being able to do it. What is it about games like that games that are sort of story driven, which I can relate to that sort of um, 
that sort of got you into gaming. What is it about games like that in particular? And is there a game that you can kind of point you to say, oh, this is what really like brought me in? Was it the Harry Potter games? Which game are we, sorry. <laughs> Which type are we so talking just about? In, the Civ so games just or in, the Harry Potter games? Either one. So just games in general. What? Which one of those types of games brought you in? And Sims and, and what Harry was Potter it about edition. it? Sims, what if there was a You're civilization Harry Potter game? <laughs> yeah. You're building armies and castles and, you know, Victor Crumb is there too. <laughs> well, ag- again, what got me into civilization was, you know, my dad had been playing those games since it was the, the MDOS, like the really old computer, like blocky version where you're just moving little pictures around. Um, and... I don't know. I don't really know how to explain why I like those games where you where you build um, towns and cities. I just I don't know. I have like a really strong interest in history and those games kind of connect you to different periods of time. And um, and then as for like the Harry Potter games. I don't know. I, I, I can't really remember what games like that I might have played before Harry Potter. I don't I don't know if, if I had played any games like that really before Harry Potter. I feel like the games before that were all, you know, strategy or, you know, games for school or games where you learn, you know, like um, sure. Treasure Cove and Carmen Sandiego and stuff. Um, Math Mountain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I so the shit out of Math Mountain. Because the Harry Potter games, I think, came out around the same, even though they weren't, like, super based on the movies, they came out at the same time as the movies. So, like, I was only, like, nine or ten when they came out. So, um, yeah, I guess Harry Harry Potter was kind of the beginning of those those kind of games that I really liked. Now, I'm going to ask you a question I already know the answer to, but you're a pretty big Harry Potter fan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They've been calling so, for life. Um, do you think if it wasn't for Harry Potter, you wouldn't have had the sort of interest in video games that you do now? So if, if it wasn't for that, do you, th- do you think that was sort of your gateway into it all? Um, not necessarily. I, okay. it's, it's possible another game would have come along that, that I, that in kind of a similar kind of game. It might've happened mm-hmm. later though. Um, Cause like I later got into like, there were Lord of the Rings games where you could kind of play through the story yo those were um, fun right i especially they were really hard though yeah well i loved return of the king that was probably my favorite one um you know and that came out like what 2003 or something so like it would have happened i would have gotten into that kind of game if not for harry potter but like yeah i think harry potter was kind of the beginning of it did you know speaking of harry potter that snape kills dumbledore Spoiler alert! <laughs> Whoops! Did you know that Harry's parents died? <laughs> Sorry, my my quota of awkward was not being fulfilled, so I had to get in. I see, I see. I had a conversation with Angela before you were in here, and she was like, "What if I don't know what to say?" And I, I don't think that was exactly what she said, but I was like, "Basically, if you don't know what to say, you just let Peaches talk because he'll talk for the entire show if you let him." <laughs> So if, you're ever, if you're ever in doubt, just let him talk. He'll, he'll run it. Don't worry about it. Just point at him and say, go. <laughs> Subject to anything. <laughs> and it works out. Um, but the last game on your list was Bioshock Infinite. So that'll bring us to our, our main topic for the show a little later, um, because I just remembered that we have news to talk about. <laughs> 
Waluigi time. Let's just talk about this. So um, there was a leak online. The bumper is um, an hour long? Yes. Okay. <laughs> just, wah, wah, wah. So if you have the Nintendo Switch, um, Nintendo, Nintendo Online, is that what it's called? Nintendo Online? Honestly, their name for it is not great. Honestly, the whole online system isn't great. Um, I paid for it, but Switch, I don't know what it's called. I don't know. Same, yeah, uh, it's whatever the online system is for Nintendo. Uh, for N- the Nintendo Switch specifically, there is an app that you can download that comes with it that lets you play um, currently only NES games, and they sort of add a couple games every month. Um, and there was a leaked list of somebody who was data mining into those files, and supposedly there are SNES games coming for that. Um, they've Nintendo's already come out and said that there will not be um, a virtual console for the Switch so far, um, but this is as close as we're going to get. What do you guys think about those type of games, and do you think um, that's going to that's gonna really drive Nintendo's success with their online system, which is already kind of like not great, but people use it because they literally can't use anything else? Um, by the way, you were really close. It was Nintendo Switch Online. You just had to say the console. That's all you had to say. Yeah. You, you were really close. I don't know. We've kind of talked about the... Um, the virtual console stuff in the past. And I just, I, it's kind of getting to a point where I no longer feel like it's necessary to keep putting the same retro games on the newer consoles, because like inevitably everyone at this point probably has either had a Wii or a Wii U, probably just me or the switch <laughs> or they bought the, or they bought the Nintendo, the super Nintendo emulator console, or they just have an emulator on their computer. And like, I don't need a fifth copy of link to the past on a fifth system. I don't need to spend money on that. Maybe people don't agree with that. I just think that it's like, okay, if you're going to bring more virtual games to this new console, bring ones that we haven't seen before. And maybe they are, but they're still bringing a bunch that we have seen before. So I just don't personally find it necessary at this point. I'll say, um, not to keep harping on, I didn't have a console when I was a kid, but (laughs) for people like me (laughs) um, who did not grow up with these games, um, I think the virtual console is a great way to introduce more and more people to these games that might have not had the opportunity they can't get their hands on one of those older consoles or they can't you know because aren't nintendo's gonna stop selling those um snes classic things um you know so like for you know if i if i have kids someday and let's say we live in a world where Chris didn't buy those SNES, NES classic things. He would want to share those games <laughs> with our kids. And how else would he do that besides, you know, if there was some virtual console, you know, version available. Um, certainly I wouldn't have been able to play Ocarina without that. Um, so I'm for it, but I, I do also think it's, it's definitely a money grab yeah. for Nintendo to keep selling the same games over and over again. So I don't know. Right. I see both Well, they know that people will buy them. Yeah. Too. Like they know people are going to buy them. I think Phil Kid in the chat makes a good point. And I think it's the point you can make for literally any game being on the Switch. Wait, tell people they can't, they can't see it because they're listening to the audio recording. Tell them what Phil said. 
I will once you let me finish my sentence. <laughs> I thought you were just gonna. I was gonna say it after me. I was presenting it in a, in a different way. I wasn't just gonna... rewind. <laughs> <laughs> so, like Phil Kid said in chat, um, and we've said this about most games, is that portability is is sort of the driving factor. Phil Kid in the chat said that the Switch being portable is what's different. That it doesn't care about retro games. Uh, it doesn't care what retro games end up there. Uh, the, the fact that it's portable really sort of changes it. I think that's part of it. I think that's a good point. And I think that's the same just in general about games being on the Switch. People have talked about the Wii U ports, the same thing. Like, why do they keep making Wii U ports on the game? One, because I know the only three people on the planet that owned Wii U's. And and two, because <laughs> portability is is a thing, right? It's a, And it's, a, it's more of an important thing. And it adds that barrier sort of gets chopped down between what a portable console can do and what a home console can do, it's going to become more and more important that your game is also portable. Sure. And to be honest, like, I'm not so against it that I'm like, they need to stop doing this. I, it just doesn't... It, I don't have any personal interest in it for me, just because I already own the games three other ways. So sure. For me, for me, it's not exciting. For other people, I'm not, like, going to rain on their parade. So... Enjoy. You know, I, was, I finished um, I finished Guacamelee two the other day, and one fantastic game. But two, I found myself wanting to play that game in handheld mode, and I feel like for a lot of the SNES games on there, a lot of them were probably a better experience in handheld mode. I think of um, maybe some of the experiences I would have had. I think I probably would have liked maybe a link to the past better if it was in my hands and I was playing it like a Pokemon game. Um, I think that might have been a better experience for me rather than playing it on the TV, even though I did play it. And by play it, that's like a loose word because yeah, you I played it with you telling me what to do 100% of the time. Yeah, so that's not really playing it. Um, I mean, I mean, Princess Peaches went through the same thing. Like I was sitting right next to her and telling her how to play. And to be fair, when I was telling you how to play it, that was like right after I was really into doing the randomizer like every single day. So I pretty much had everything memorized. But when I was teaching Princess how to play it, I totally hadn't played the game in like like five years. And I kept leading her down the wrong paths and she was fighting bosses like way before she had the correct upgrades to fight them. And she had like a miserable time. And it is 100% my fault. So <laughs> anyways, um, I but digress. Staying on the Nintendo Switch, um, Super Smash Brothers, we all know, came out at the end of last year. We did two episodes on it. We know. Which should have been, <laughs> <We know. laughs> should have just been one episode, but we stretched it to two. Um, and it is it was the fifth best-selling game of 2018. And what's really impressive to me about it is that it released in December, right? It was the fifth best-selling game of 2018, selling multiple millions of copies, and it was released less than a month left into the year. That's insane. Um, another thing that I didn't put in there is that the Nintendo Switch became the best-selling console of 2018 ahead of the PS4. Because of those sales? Well, not because specific, not only because of those sales, but those sales did help. Um, now, it, it just goes to show how widespread the Nintendo Switch, and we've already d discussed at length the fervor that is the Nintendo Switch, but what do you guys think it is about Smash and all these different things that's 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 clicking and, and sort of firing on all cylinders for Nintendo? You go first. I don't, I, I don't have opinions about Smash. <laughs> Other than oh, no. like, I'll go. 
That was a knife in the no, heart I just, to the sound I, guy. I can't. Okay, I, wait. I'll <laughs> I'll go, and then for like um, the purpose of having a dynamic conversation, you just say all the opposite things <laughs> that I say, <laughs> and then Eduardo can be like, "Okay, guys, break it up." <laughs> I, I think it all boils down to just the legacy that the games have in general. Like, like people were waiting for the the ultimate version of it since it was a gleam in Inkling's eye and it came out and, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> a galleum in Inkling's <laughs> eye. There it is. Um, and, you know, it's it didn't really disappoint anybody. Like, people have their, you know, here's and there's about it. Like, oh, I don't like how the online system works or I don't like the way they change this character. But for the most part, like, you're not, if you're a fan of Super Smash Bros. whatsoever, you're not not going to buy it, you know? So that helps. And I think that a lot of people feel the same way as we generally do about the Switch. Um, and I think probably the combination of those two things really helped. So not a, not a super complicated response, but I think that it was just something that was, you know, it's like the Kingdom Hearts 3 of Nintendo games. Like people have been waiting for it for a while and they built it up really well. And then here we are. Built it up if really Kingdom well? Hearts 3 exists. Was Kingdom Hearts 3 built up really well? I was that in that aspect I was referring to Super Smash Bros. Okay. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3 was built up over several 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 years. First it was built out of straw and then it was blown down by a wolf and then it was built out of whatever the second thing is, sticks and and then they started sometimes using bricks along with the sticks and now they it might come come together as a house. I don't we're know. It's a bad analogy. We're getting wildly off topic here, but it's crazy Wild. that Kingdom Hearts 3, you can take the exact same old footage that they put out of the game and the new footage of that in the game, and there is a noticeable difference between the two. Like, when they first were like, this is Kingdom Hearts 3, and then 10 years <laughs> later, they're like, but this is Kingdom Hearts 3, and it's the same thing. The second one looks like no, noticeably significantly better, and you're like, wow, has it really been that long that we've been waiting? And the answer is yes. Maybe yes, they truly were just waiting for graphics to improve. Maybe that's <laughs> all it was. They're like, ah, not yet. Keep waiting. But that point will take off eventually. Uh, Angela, do you have an opinion? Do you not have an opinion? Do you not care? I, <laughs> I want to care because it means so much to the sound man. But <laughs> I can't, I mean, with the exception of Battlefront 2, 2005 i can't get into these games where all you do is fight because reasons like it's you're just fighting on a stage and i don't know i can't get into it but maybe someday i don't know i don't know why it can't like click with me um i like the most fun i've had with it is like sitting next to chris and just telling him okay play as this character like i know you suck at zelda she's done that i know you suck at zelda it's true yeah and i've done that with you yeah both of you in the room and i've picked your characters for you well because he plays as like the same three characters all the time and it's boring so i'll you know get him to play other things that he's not good at so i mean that's entertaining there's a time that she came over (laughs) with chris and we sat in the living room and she told both of us who to pick for like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And we just like, basically she refereed our fights. 
I appreciate that Chris's name is sort of turning into Lord Voldemort, <laughs> and we must not speak it. You must call him Soundman or the Sound Lord. <laughs> but you cannot Sound speak Lord. his name. <laughs> Sound, you need to change your your Twitch username, Chris, to Sound Lord. Sound Lord twenty ten. <laughs> yes. Um. You guys are all being way more careful about his name than anyone has ever been with my desired (laughs) Your your desired desired name? name? Alias. Lord Funyuns? Lord Funyuns, yeah. No (laughs) one's called me Lord Funyuns. Damn it. And I'm upset about it. I'm upset. Oh, what's going on here? I might even just cry. Please don't do that. That's a stretch. That's an onion joke. (laughs) Ogres are like onions. Okay, we've gone too far. Uh, Soldier Boy... (laughs) I can't even, I We've can't gone even, too far. I Soldier even, Boy. We've gone too far. Soldier Boy. Uh, Soldier Boy is back at it again, folks. So for those that don't know, a couple, it was like a month ago, Soldier Boy had this console on his website that he was selling, and it was basically just a an emulation machine. It was a game that had, it was one of those, you know, like Chinese um, consoles that had like hundreds of of emulated games on there. Some of them real, some of them just like fake games with like changed characters. It's a bunch of nonsense, honestly. Uh, Soldier game, right. And he ended up taking it down, saying, sorry, I messed up. He took the console, he removed it off his website. And then he brought a handheld console in that's basically the same thing. It's at a gigantic marked up price. There's no way he's not getting sued for this. And he seems to be like, like blissfully unaware that anything bad's ever going to happen. Soldier boy, tell him soldier boy is telling him that (laughs) what a, what a world we live in. I just want to talk to you for a sec. Bring it in, bring it in. Let's talk for a sec. What a world that we live in that I appreciate that both of you moved in. Uh, What a world that we live in that (laughs) soldier boy who cranked it like soldier boy is putting out a video game console. Like what? Think about what that means. Think about the era that we just had in 2018 with Drake playing with um, with Ninja and all of these different things, and sort of how video game culture has permeated into popular culture. Um, I know this is probably isn't where Phil could wanted to go with this topic, but I just find it really interesting, sort of the dichotomy of where video games have been and where they're going in the future, and how sort of mainstream they've become. Do you either have thoughts on that, or am I just talking out of my butt? <laughs> Lingering farts. I don't think that it has anything to do... Like, I, I agree that, like, it's cool that it's becoming more mainstream. I don't think this has anything to do with games becoming more mainstream and more acceptable. I think that it's soldier boy trying to make money doing something stupid because he's not relevant anymore because he was relevant when we were in high school because we cranked that in the <laughs> parking lot and you didn't kiss anybody it. on the phone and i didn't and that too which i i just learned like not even uh like two months ago that that was him remember we played it on my stream <laughs> like i didn't even know that was him but i think that he just wants to be relevant again and he knows that video games are cool so he's like okay i'll take up a, a literal psp and i will paint it blue and I'll call it the Soldier Boy console. By the way, um, he went with Soldier Boy as his like you know username in real life. He should have just used his regular name. His regular name's way cooler. DeAndre Cortez Way. What? No way. Uh, 
This is where you say yes way. Got him. <laughs> no, it's Cortez way. <laughs> it's Cortez. Yes way is my father. <laughs> That's Mr. Yes way. <laughs> Angela, any thoughts about the soldier game? No. <laughs> Bill Kid agrees with me that it's just him trying to make a cash grab. Oh, I don't no. Think it has... no. I, I think those things can exist in the same breath. I don't think he's intentionally trying to put forth the medium that is video games, but I think a, a, a someone who is widely known from a commercial standpoint, from a very sort of casual, like, everyday consumer standpoint, putting out a video game console is impactful whether he's doing it to make a quick buck or not. Like, I don't, I think those two things can exist at the same time. And it's sure. like, and I think they can exist without him intending to do so. I'd say it's like a 90, 10 split. <laughs> I mean, I agree with that. I think he's, no, I mean, you, <laughs> <laughs> Was that Soldier Boy? Or was that The Rock? Yes. It doesn't matter what you. I did a people's elbow. So ah, I see. Yeah. Um. So enough Soldier Boy talk. Let's let's get into the meat and potatoes of my sweet baby Patrick. That is no, my no, back that up. Don't say that. Just don't. Just rewind. Oh, you didn't yeah. say that. Nope, I said it. It's happened. It's oh. happened. We're going forward. Damn it. We're talking Bioshock. We've already talked a little bit about Bioshock on the show. For those of you that have watched our first episode, which you can catch on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, Peaches and I have already shameless talked plug. about our top five. How can we, you can't shameless plug on your own show. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you can. That's why it's shameless. <laughs> It'd be no, shameful if it wasn't your own show. Shameless is on Showtime. Um, you can't. Oh. Um, so Peaches and I have already talked about what our top five favorite games of all time are. And both of our lists include and i would say are topped by a bioshock game not the same bioshock game but a bioshock game so starting all the way at the beginning of bioshock 2007 2k boston which would later become irrational games releases a game called bioshock 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 um it's a game that follows the story of jack who is this mysterious um sometimes silent sends a couple words protagonist uh, mostly silent we'll call him as he makes his journey into the deep underwater city uh, of Rapture. Um, and I, I can say with a lot of confidence that it's largely considered, along with Ocarina of Time, one of the greatest games of all time. I think, I think we've, we're far enough removed from it now that it can be considered up in that echelon. It's, it's definitely regarded like that from a lot of the people that I speak with and a lot of sort of the, the gaming media. And I, I would assume that the gaming community uh, agrees with that. Now, um, Bioshock is such an interesting game because it, it was made by Kevin Levine, who is this sort of visionary when it comes to storytelling. Um, I was talking to our sound guy the other day, and he even told me <laughs> that the new um, Twilight Zone was originally going to be written and directed by Kevin Levine, and then it ended up being um, uh, Jordan Peele, who's now doing you it. You meant, Levine? you meant Sound Lord. Ken like Levine. We both on, we're both on two different wavelengths here. Is it Kevin Levine or Kevin Ken Levine? Ken, Levine. Ken. Ken or Kevin? Ken. Kevin? Ken. Yeah. Kevin, Ken is, Levine. Kevin is stuck in his house waiting for his parents to get home from the airport while burglars <laughs> rob him. That's what you're thinking of. Yeah. Hi, Kevin. Ken Levine. Um, so Ken Levine. Man, I could have sworn it was Kevin. Ken <laughs> Levine. <laughs> 
Uh, Ed Levine is his father. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, written by Ken Levine. Uh, and an alternate universe is Kevin. Right. Um, Drink every time Eduardo says Ken Levine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, once again, Ken Levine is the one that wrote the game. And sort of from sort of this visionary standpoint of an underwater city where the world's greatest minds would get together and they would, they would progress. There would be progress. There would be, um, there would flourish. There would be lots of innovation. And, as we know by playing Bioshock, that's not what exactly what happens. This, the the city becomes in ruin. People become you know drug addicts, and all these different kind of things happen. Um, now, what were both of yours first experiences with Bioshock? I know, Peaches, we've talked to yours about it. Um, I think a couple times, but but Angela, I'm really interested to see yours because you didn't actually play Bioshock. This is true. But you you watched someone play. Yes. It. Um... <laughs> So, so the thing that I love the most about Bioshock is how absolutely immersed in this world you are. And it does such a good job of that, that I got really freaked out playing it. I tried, like I started to play it and then you get to the medical pavilion and it's just like, uh, like I was just so freaked out by it. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. So, but Chris has played it before. Um, he, but he hadn't played it in a Sound real, Lord. yeah, Soundlord. He hadn't played it in a really long time. He was interested to play it again. And I was like, let me watch you play it. Cause I don't want to. So, um, <laughs> so I just watched, you know, and maybe it, I don't know. Cause I always used to watch my dad play games. Maybe I'm like cool with watching people play games. I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah. So I watched him play through the whole thing and it just, it was just so fascinating. Like I just was so enthralled by this game and uh so excited to then move on to infinite i know we're not there yet but um <laughs> yeah that was just it was like the probably the greatest video game story i've ever witnessed yeah i don't know i don't know if i if i told like the actual full story when i of when i first played it when we talked about it on like the very first episode because i know that we kind of covered it but um, when it came out, my friend and I, that I went to high school with, we went to this, like the supermarket to go buy it. Like one of those mega stores that has food in, you know what I'm talking about. And at the time, I, I don't know if it's still rated this way, but it was like NC 17 or something when it came out, like, and nobody ever in the history of the world has ever asked a person buying a video game if they're the correct age to buy it. <laughs> but the guy that got the game out of the case for me asked me if I was the right age, which I was not. And you know how much of a goody two shoes I am. And I lied my ass off to get that game. <laughs> and so we got it and we went back home and we played it like all the way through the night. Like we played it from probably like 8 PM to like two 30 in the morning we were taking turns playing the game. Like I played the medical pavilion and then he played the fisheries and we just went back and forth until we fell asleep. And it's like, it like, it's just as Angela said, it's so immersive. Like you, you get into the world and you really just are compelled to learn more and more about the story. Like you don't know why this person is helping you, but he is. And like, obviously it's a game. So you, have to complete the objectives but you don't really understand why you have to complete the objectives you until much later and it just pulls you in and it does a good job making you feel emotionally attached to your character who like for a long time the first time anyone ever plays bioshock i would i would say a, a large percentage of people 
would probably admit this, that they don't actually know the main character's name. They probably think that they are the oh. main character. Because it's never said. It's it's written on his letter at the beginning when he's in the plane. And that's the only way you know who he as, is. As Chris so, was playing through it, and I was like coming up with theories about like why things might be a certain way and like what I how I thought it was going to turn out. And I kept calling him... So when main character does this or when main character does that, because I couldn't remember his name. I had no idea. Yep. You only see it though, like the one time and, you know, it's really easy because of that to feel like you are the Mm -hmm. main character. You know, other games that are popular and mainstream, they like go out of their way to tell you the name of the main character. You know, the other NPCs will repeat their name a thousand times. You'll have... You know, in a Final Fantasy game, you'll have all the characters' names on screen in every single batter, battle, but you really feel like you are. I think a lot of that too is the lack of cutscenes. Like you are yeah. control, like it, with the exception of that really brief video in the beginning when he looks at his the gift with the picture on it, um, and he says a few things, and then the plane crashes, and from then on, like from there, you are the character. You control everything he does, like. There's nothing to take you out of it. There's no video, you know, that shows then Jack in third person or whatever. Like, right. What do you I, feel, Eduardo? I want about it? what I want to preface is uh, everybody. I appreciate anybody who is in the in the chat right now. I appreciate anybody who is listening live. But from this point forward, we are going into full spoiler territory with Bioshock, Bioshock Two, and Bioshock Infinite. If for whatever reason <laughs> you have not played or understand what happens at the end of Bioshock, it is a great, great game that I suggest you play and don't have a spoil for you because some of these reveals are the best reveals in all of video games. Um, so once again, this is your last chance. We're going full spoilers starting now. So I think what was impactful, I mean, we can we can talk about all the different things that are world building, all these things that, that Bashrekt is great, but I think for me, that moment where you are in the room um, and you are being, you're, you're sort of puzzling together the would you kindly part and you're sort of, putting that together because they have you go into the room and there are all these pictures on the wall and it says would you kindly in big letters and you and in my mind when i did it i don't know about you but i hadn't put it together yet i say would you kindly like what does that even mean like i have no idea and then you walk into the room and what is the gentleman's name that i am blanking on andrew ryan andrew ryan Um, andy rorschach (laughs) andrew ryan is there and he artemis and rand you (laughs) and rand is there and um, Andrew Ryan is there and he starts telling you sort of commands and he begins telling you one of, if I think one of, if not the most quotable line in any video game, that a man chooses a slave wait, wait, wait. Obeys, I want to I hear Chris just say it. <laughs> a man chooses a slave obeys. <laughs> That's right before you like knock the shit out of him, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's after you hit him once. <laughs> Got it. After you hit him once, then he gets like gurgly in his voice and he starts to say it again. Oh man, <laughs> but I don't know about you guys, but when I saw that happen, I probably literally pooped my pants. I was so like, oh my god, what is going on right now? And the, I think the best part is when you start talking back to um, Patrick Irish motherfucker. What's his At- name? Atlas. Uh, Frank Montaigne. 
Atlas. Atlas. You start talking to Atlas That's again. Irish motherfucker. <laughs> uh, you start talking to Atlas again, and his voice changes from the Irish accent to the American accent, and he starts laughing, and you're like still in the process of processing what's been happening. You're like, oh shit. The guy that's supposed to be helping me this game has been like screwing me the whole time, which is, I think, such an interesting thing to do because in games like that, th- take Ocarina of Time, right? Take the Pixie. Would you ever think the Pixie is really Ganon the whole time <laughs> and has been, like leading you down the wrong path? Like, think about. He's talking like, about Navi. Well, think about um, Navi, right? Listen. Hey, listen. Think about. Games like that. Think about any game where you have like a leading, <laughs> somebody that's kind of helping you along. And think about any time where in, in a video game where someone who has been teaching you even things like mechanics and sort of been like ushering you along has turned out to be the villain and has actually been leading you astray the whole time. It was that's, brilliant. That is, that's for me what sealed the deal on that game. Like it was easy to play because it's, you know, it's this it essentially when you think about this, like holistically, it's kind of crazy, right? Because you've got this game that's super immersive, but it's kind of like an RPG style first person shooter where you have a ton of choices in how you play the game, but story-wise, you don't have a goddamn choice of what you're doing. So you don't have a choice and you have a choice at the same time. And when you have that moment of betrayal, like I don't want to sound super sappy or anything, but that was the first time a video game specifically made me feel feelings where I was like super hurt that I was led (laughs) on by this dude the whole time. Like I've been trying to help you and your wee baby Patrick and they got blown up and I was kind of sad about it because they were on that, that sub and we were going to get them out. And now you're telling me the whole time I've been your puppet. Like it does a great job pulling on your heartstrings and then in turn making you mad at this guy. Like, you at this point want to go and find him and take care of him. And another game hadn't done that to me. I don't know if something like that exists and I just haven't played it, but you know, that was it. It was so brilliant how they crafted Atlas, you know, and they, we watched all the director's commentary videos and they talk about how originally they had cast a guy with a, like a Southern accent and they were like, you know, testing it out with like, you know, focus groups and stuff. And they were like, we don't trust this guy. Like something about the Southern accent put them off. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what if we do an Irish accent? So they hired a new actor and all of a sudden it clicked. And then also to give him this backstory of like, hey, I have a family, like giving him stakes in this. Cause I was, as Chris was playing through it, I'm like, well, what if, you know, cause this, this is an all around like horrible place rapture. And like, what are the odds there's this one good guy left? And I thought, you know, well, what if he's playing us? But then I also thought, but he's got Patrick and Moira <laughs> waiting for him. <laughs> and like, and I still believed it up into, you know, you get to where the bathosphere is that they're like chilling in there and you're supposed to save them. And I really, I bought it like, and you know, when it blows up and then he's distraught over the radio and stuff. And like, it was all so believable. And I, and they just, they did that so well to make you trust this guy. That was just brilliant. Well, I, 
I want to touch on something you said, Peaches, about the illusion of choice, because I think this game does a really good job of doing that in multiple ways. I think you talked about it with how it's an RPG, but also sort of this this first person shooter that it's sort of, and I think the level design is also instrumental in that. This level design that is made to make you feel like you were in an open world, but at the end of the day, you are going to go from point A to point B. At the end of the day, if you feel like you have a choice at the end, you really don't. And I think that's such like a really brilliant, smart, sub- like subliminal thing for the, the developers to do to sort of really like remove your, your sense of agency in the game. Like I just got chills when you said that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Like, I just, I just have so much respect for this game for that reason. Like, there's, right. there's, there are things about it. Like, there is no perfect game out there. There are things about it that I don't like, and it's my favorite game of all time. But the things that it does well, it does so well that like, it's just brilliant. Right. It's so good. And you know, we we, we can gush about all the things about Bioshock for another hour, but then we'll have ourselves another squad up smash episode and we'll be talking about three different videos three episodes. and angela so. will be mad at us <laughs> and angela angela is right here to be mad I at us la- actively i would gladly <laughs> participate in bioshock the two lighthouses <laughs> oh my god um, so following on the cult's lighthouses eh? <laughs> Following on the coattails of what was in, in part one of these one of these once in a lifetime games, Bioshock Two was released uh, February 9th. Um, it's developed by Two K Marin, which is a, a not irrational game, so not the original studio that put it out, and it's it's met with mixed fanfare. Now, I even wrote I didn't have a lot to say about Bioshock Two, but what I did write was to cue Peaches talking about the multiplayer for a few minutes. Because I know how much you enjoyed Bioshock 2's multiplayer, <laughs> and I like I, I, I get it. I didn't love Bioshock 2. I thought I had really fond memories of Bioshock 1, and it's it was almost like impossible. Like you know what? I also probably interestingly would have felt not exactly the same way, but maybe a similar way if Bioshock Infinite had come out right after Bioshock, because it's just such a hard it's such a hard thing to put put it right next to. Right? I think the waiting made me love Bioshock Infinite even more. But Bioshock 2 coming out so close to Bioshock 1, man, it just it felt like such a disappointment compared to everything that had happened in the original game. But I want to hear you talk about it because you 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 see it with more rose-colored glasses than I do. I, I feel like and I, I feel like I'm good at explaining this because I think I talk about it twice a week because I, I just I'm, I'm so passionate about this series. Also, I just want to shout out Gator Sachs in the chat real quick, aka the Sound Lord. Um, he loves Sander Cohen and he that's good because Sander Cohen's amazing. Sander Cohen is an awesome side character. We can touch on Sander Cohen real quick. Yeah, we will. Go ahead. No, no, no. I just, I was going to say, like, I agree, and Sander Cohen is awesome, and he's amazing, and it's the best level in the game fighting. (laughs) So, so this is, this is the problem with Bioshock 2. This is, like, I can give you a, a, um, a paraphrased timeline, because I don't know exact dates, but this is what happened. So we've got Bioshock, the original game, that had everybody, like, just wanting more like they played this game they for the most part everybody loved it and they wanted a second one so they start this marketing campaign where they are releasing trailer after trailer after trailer and just shoving this game down everybody's throats which was great as the consumer because you're seeing all these things and you're getting really excited and then the game came out and it was almost like you had too much of a good thing with all of the advertising in combination with the fact that 
they're trying to live up. It's just, it's the same thing that most sequels stereotypically have the problem of is that they're trying to live up to the hype of the first game while being its own unique entity. And as a standalone game, I think Bioshock 2 is actually a pretty good game. I wouldn't put it top anywhere, but I would say I had a good time playing it and it was enjoyable, but you have to, there's no way to not compare it to the first game, especially with all the hype that they just drilled into your face. You know, there's a, there's a handful of things that are wrong with two. The story just wasn't as good as the first one. And that's not really two's fault. They made a really good story for the first game. Um, the little sister protecting them while you har while they harvest Adam from dead bodies thing. Cool idea in concept. You do it once and you never want to do it again. Mm -hmm. And I'm the kind of guy in video games. I don't know how you guys, I probably know how you guys play, but if there is a choice in a video game to be a good thing or a bad thing, I only do the bad thing if it has, if there's like an achievement or a trophy associated with it. And then I never go back because I, I like have a compulsion to do the good thing always in games. So I hated harvesting, like waiting for the little sisters to harvest their Adam, but I also didn't want to wait for it because it was really boring and annoying. So they had that going for it. And playing as a big daddy just wasn't as satisfying as you thought it was going to be. Like it was cool, but it was kind of weird that you could still like crouch as a big daddy and go through like <laughs> tiny ducks in the wall. Like there's, there's no way I'm fitting in there, but okay, game, I will. Now, the thing that the game did right was the multiplayer. And I know that I've talked about this a bunch too, but the multiplayer operated very much like, and this is before Gotham City Imposters, but it was like Gotham City Imposters or, or games of that nature where you, where you have a character that you can custom build yourself. You choose like the, the weight of the character, the sp which changes the speed of the character. You choose what two guns you're bringing into the arena, what perks that you're going to wear as your character. And it's like a free-for-all or team deathmatch style game. And it was actually really well done. But I think that people, because of their distaste for the game as a whole, they didn't really look at the multiplayer that much because I was playing it a lot and seeing the same names all the time. Like you grew to find people that you're like, God damn it, this guy killed me like the entire last match. Now I got to fight him again. So it, it definitely had good things about it, um, but it just, it couldn't live up to the hype of, the first game and it was really their own doing but still a good game the uh, amusement park level was pretty cool you remember that one i do no. i do I, I and you know i it's interesting because i played bioshock 2 maybe once and i haven't gone back to it since uh, mostly because i am um, i just don't have that many fond memories of it and probably if i went back to it i'd have more of a fun time just getting back into Rapture and getting back in the world like I did when I played um, Burial at Sea. Um, but man, I just don't, just kind of don't want to, you know? If I'm going to go back to that world, I'm going to play Bioshock. If I'm going to go back to that world, I'm going to play Infinite. Now, There's Angela, a cool level that you play as a little sister for a little while. You know, interestingly enough, I talked to Chris about this yesterday, but I almost don't like the fact that I got to play as a big daddy. I, because I, I, I wanted some things I, I just think need to be a mystery, right? Like some things, there, there's a point in, in video games, in comic books, in, in movies where when you get to a certain point of explanation, things that stop being mysteries end up not living up to your expectations. 
And something like being a big daddy to me is something I didn't, I don't want to be a big daddy because I want them to be cool. These cool, mysterious guys that lumber around and that I don't really know what they're really about. I don't want to, I don't want to become one of those. I wanted to let that mystery, you know, I want to let my imagination take that mystery forward. And I think Bioshock 2 just tried to explain too much that it, that I really didn't want to know. So you're saying that Bioshock 2 was like when the aliens were on screen at the end of Signs. <laughs> yes. Similarly, I use this almost exact same analogy with <laughs> Annihilation because it's the exact same thing at the end of Annihilation. The aliens are on screen or the alien is on screen. And I'm like, I didn't really want to know it was an alien. I wanted it to be this cool, weird, mysterious shimmer thing. I didn't really care that it was an alien. I didn't care what it was. I wanted to just be like, what was that? That was so cool. But at the end, I was like, that was a weird alien. That was weird. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have Bioshock 2 opinions, Angela? Did you ever watch Chris play those? Sound Lord? No. um, He's kind of described it to me and when he when we were like at the end of Bioshock and that that time near the end where you know you as Jack you're dressed up like a big daddy and you're protecting this little sister so that she can guide you to where you need to go and you have to look after her while she's harvesting Adam like along the way these little pit stops and I saw him like you know struggling to protect her while fighting off all these splicers and stuff and (laughs) And he'd finally like finish one and then he'd be like, so that that's like the whole of Bioshock 2. It's it's like that. It's like that for the whole game. And I was like, oh, like that does not because I don't in general, those kind of um, levels where you have to protect a thing, like you have to fight off things in order to protect a thing. And you see like the gauge in the corner, you know of the, the life of yeah. that thing. You're just waiting for yeah, the time. I to be hate out. that. Like right. that. So a whole game of that, I, I don't know that I would want to play it. I'm, I'm curious visually, like, you know, like Eduardo said, to get back in that world and to see, you know, what you were saying about the amusement park and everything. And Chris said on the chat here that, um, that level is like if Andrew Ryan built Epcot, I mean, that sounds amazing, especially because they've kind of, yeah, you know, cool they level. kind of crafted Andrew Ryan as like an evil Walt yeah. Disney sort of like he, like visually he kind of looks <laughs> like Walt Disney. Like they definitely drew some influ- you know, influence from that. So I would like to see that. Yeah. I'd say it's, it's worth, I, I'd say it's at least worth one playthrough. And honestly, like if you're going to watch him play it, you can make him play on the hard mode. The hard mode is you don't kill the little sisters and you also don't do any of the harvest things. You just don't oh. get any Adam the whole game. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you don't have to do the, the harvest thing. So, you know. Gator Sacks has a point. I think being able to see the big sisters is pretty cool. Big sisters were pretty cool. They were a fun thing to at least look at the first time you saw them. They like, were like if big daddies <laughs> went on Weight Watchers. Like, what? <laughs> They were cool, but you're like, why? Right. Um, and then and then we get to a game that's very near and dear to my heart. 2013 brings Court of Claim back to the Bioshock series with the release of Bioshock Infinite. Um, I think I've told the story before, but I'm going to tell it again. You can look on my Facebook, and there is still a post from the day that this video game came out. I went that night, the, 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 the day before, that night at midnight, the morning of, and I picked up my copy at GameStop. I went home. I put my copy of Bioshock Infinite into my Xbox. 
I pressed play, and then I did not get up from my seat until I had finished Bioshock Infinite. Um, I was so enthralled, and I can remember I can remember clearly the moment in the game that hooked me, and it's an interesting that I'm saying hook because it's the sky uh, hook. Sky hook you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> me, um, because it is it's the moment where you are playing if you don't know you play the game as Booker DeWitt and you are in this like crowd and there is this moment where there is a white man or there's a black man and a white woman and they were caught like kissing and they are they're trying to they make the crowd decide what to do with them and um, they're like trying to throw like throw tomatoes and rocks at them and it's like a really like uncomfortable situation and you get handed the sky hook and you you basically are forced to intervene and you take the sky hook and you like plunge it into the guy in front of you's face and i just had never seen a game so seamlessly like take a cinematic and put me into the action like it like that like out of nowhere i was like oh <laughs> shit i'm playing the game now like <laughs> like i've been like sitting watching a cutscene, and then you're like oh my god this is this is real this is happening yeah. that was like the first time that it happened to me and it was so mind-blowing that for the rest of the game i was like man i just need i need i need more of this i need another taste of this um i, I really want to hear Angela's impressions of the game because Angela, you actually just yeah. finished playing it. You just got through a fresh for your first time and it made your top five list of all time. So I'm like really excited to hear you talk about it. Did I played play this one. Play? I played it. Play yeah. No, yeah. because <laughs> this sounds dumb, but like there's something to be said about in terms of being immersed in the world, this world you start out once you get past his little investigative office, but when you get to Columbia, um, it's this bright place and you're so taken with it and you're so taken by the time period and all the little touches they, you know, gave with the music and the kinetoscopes and all the, you know, little old tiny touches. Um, and I was, I wanted to explore and I was like, yeah, I, I do want to play this game. I want to see where this goes. And, um, and I loved how they introduce you, how it's without, being in your face, like, hey, this is a tutorial. It was basically a tutorial in the beginning, you know, with all the carnival games, kind of how to use the, um, the, not plasmids, vigors, how to use the vigors, vigors how to use the different right. weapons, like in the shooting games at the carnival and all that stuff. I thought that was brilliant because I don't love, like, this is something I hate about Fortnite. You know, I don't love being just thrown into a game and you have to like learn on the spot and people are shooting at you and, you know, this was this eased you in without being like, this is a tutorial. It was like, no, this is immersing you in the story, immersing you in this world. And then like Eduardo said, when you, you know, ram this sky hook into this guy's neck and there's blood gushing everywhere, it really snaps you out of it. Like, oh my gosh, like, sh you know, shit just got real because the like, and then you kind of feel like you're like, okay, now this is Bioshock. Like, um, well, and it's, it's it's crazy because I think the, the the point that you're getting at about the world. Think about how at the at the first when you first step foot in Columbia, you're like, wow, this is such a really cool place. And little by little, small things start to like point you in the direction of like, wait a second, things here aren't yeah. exactly what they see. You start like, to notice things are, things are a little like you start to notice how like right. racist people are, and like it's just like it right, starts exactly. to get more just like subtly. It gets kind of darker. Um, I think you even notice the right. wind picking up a little bit, like the further in you get, like the clouds get a touch darker and stuff. <laughs> it's really like, 
the way they do it is just masterful. Um, but yeah, I just, this was the reason it's on my top five is it was just the epitome of a game where you're completely immersed. You're following this amazing story. You're going around and finding things, you're solving puzzles, you know, but there's fighting in there, but I just, and especially once you meet up with Elizabeth, it was actually really nice to like have this other character with you. So you don't feel so alone. You don't feel so isolated. And she's very trustworthy. Granted, you know, Atlas felt trustworthy too, but I guess I felt better about her than I did about Atlas. Plus she's like physically with you. Um. Angela, catch. (laughs) You know, it's so interesting. You say how much you like Bioshock Infinite after you just talked about not liking escort missions in games and having to like ferry someone along. And I think that's due in large part to how well Elizabeth is presented to you as a character. She is not presented to you as this thing you have to take care of. She's presented to you as your partner, as someone who is going to help you and you guys are going to help each other get through the rest of the game and not necessarily the thing you have to do. That game would have gone right down the toilet if I had to protect her. And she's like invisible too. (laughs) What'd you say? She's good. They, I mean, they did a great job with her because she's essentially invisible to enemies. Like she can stand right in the open and if you're hiding, they don't see you. Like, they did a great job integrating her into the story and allowing her to help you and still making the game like challenging enough without having to protect somebody because you don't have to protect her. She's a strong, independent Elizabeth and she don't need to do it. Like, it's great the way they did it. Um, it's funny that you guys both had that same like, oh shit, we're playing the game now. <laughs> I had that too, but like, my my oh shit didn't happen when I had to skyhook somebody. It happened right before that when I had to choose which like which person I was going to throw the baseball at. I was like, right. oh, why well, is this yeah, one of those that, games? Why do right, I have I mean, to make a moral was, decision? Yeah. Like, it wasn't a hard decision, obviously. I was like, I'm not racist. I'm going to throw it at yeah. the auctioneer. What is this? Like, what the hell? But it's funny that that happened to you guys in that game because, and maybe I'm just stupid, but this happened to me in the original Bioshock as well, because at the time the graphics were so good at the time that when you, when you drop out of that plane and you land in the water and you're just looking at the water around you, I thought for a good, like two or three minutes that I was in the middle of a cinematic because the water was so well rendered. So I didn't move (laughs) for like two or three minutes. I'm like, is the game gonna happen or what? And then I like accidentally brushed the control stick on my controller and my character move, and I was like, "Oh, I'm playing the game now." Okay, so I kind of had that moment in both games, which is cool that you guys said that. Now, Angela, but, continuing on, um, it, it's definitely it, so. What is it about the game? You've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but what is it about the game that puts it in that upper echelon of video games? For you? Um. I think it's just, it's, it's like, it's a more mature Prisoner of Azkaban. It's a more mature Ocarina of Time. It's, you know, it's the same quest style, but it, I don't know. I, I just loved that there, that for me anyway, there was like just enough of a sense of danger and, and, you know, like battle gameplay in it um but a really amazing balance with the story and with 
you know, all the little side missions and things that you needed to find. And I don't know, it was just, it was the best of everything that I love about a game, like all in one. And the fact that it, it feels open world, um, but you do still have to, in true Bioshock fashion and in true most games fashion, you do still have to follow a set, you know, like course of events, but you can, you know, cause oftentimes the way I would play and Chris does this too, is like, you press the little button to see like what, where you're supposed to go. And it like shoots this little arrow towards where you're supposed to go. But then I would purposely then go in the opposite direction to make sure I found everything before moving on. I love doing that. I love looking around for everything. Yeah. I do that. Purposely avoiding the arrow <laughs> so that I can find everything first. Yep. I love the audio logs. Oh, I mean, and that's great. That's fantastic for both of the games. Yeah. The audio logs for both of the games are so are so unnerving and and they they sort of add so much richness um, to the world. I think a lot can be said similarly about the themes in Bioshock Infinite compared to the first Bioshock. I think the illusion of choice is there as well, uh, but I think it's presented in a different way. I think that it's presented in this way of the you know um, we'll get it. We're still in spoiler territory, so we'll talk about it. But the multiple dimensions and the multiple sort of um, timelines that exist that this idea that what was going to happen in your timeline is going to happen no matter what. And, um, and sort of this idea that uh, fate, right. And probability and how you're, and, and and all these, and like, I think what I really enjoyed about the ending of Bioshock infinite, and I'll be a hundred percent honest when I say this is that when I first played through it, I didn't understand (laughs) a thing that happened. I, I put down the controller and I was like, man, what the fuck? Like, what? What is? What? What just? At, at the time, I was what? It was 2013, so I was what? Um, well, 2013. I was already like, <laughs> <laughs> was it 2013 that it really came out? I was already like 20 then. Maybe I was a wee bear. You were a wee lad. <laughs> a wee baby. Patrick. You were a, a wee. Oh, uh, embarrassing. When I, when, baby I, Patrick. when I got to the end of the game, I was like, what yeah. is going on? Like, what just happened? Um, but then through my second playthrough, I started noticing things. Like at the very beginning of the game, when you were just ascended up into Columbia, the whole baptism scene that happens is this, like you open the game in the same way that you close the game. And sort of this baptism of you and all the different Elizabeth counterparts that you've encountered. Um, now I like hearing all the songs throughout. Like it took me a while to catch on that the songs that like the uh, the the dapper dudes <laughs> were singing were like from present day. And then you go on and like you hear Nirvana, and you're yeah. like, they're singing "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Yeah. <laughs> what is happening right now? Am I crazy? And then more and more you realize. Something's well, and really also extra like when weird. when you first so. see Elizabeth in the tower and you're like creeping on her like through the window <laughs> and she opens a tear and it says le revanche du jedi on the um movie thing i was like oh shit like it was first of all that it was a star wars movie so you're like okay so she can you know like reveal these like like the future basically but it's also an alternate universe in which that movie was named the revenge of the jedi because that was the original title. And then last minute they were like, oh, just kidding. We're going to call it Return of the Jedi. But in French, Revanche. For that reason, 
I like yeah. it to put it in French. <laughs> because it's, be, well, because it's like, if you notice that, like, you can get clued in right away. But because it's in French, you don't see, like, Return of the Jedi and go, Star Wars, what the <laughs> fuck? You know? But you see that and you're like, I speak French and I love Star Wars. Where the fuck yet? I think the game is just masterfully put together. Now, I put this question in here for fun. This is only for fun. We're not actually going to do a full debate on this. But for the sake of podcasting, Bioshock or Bioshock Infinite? Which of the two is the true is the true choice here? Or is there no choice? Whoa. A man chooses. A woman has feelings about both. <laughs> Would you kindly... <laughs> well, I, I think we kind of all know what's happening right now because, like, I have stated Bioshock is my favorite game of all time. It's your favorite... Infinite's your favorite game of all time, and it's in her top five. So I feel like I we kind of know where this is going, but personally, I think that, like, trying to look at them objectively, I think... Both of them are great. Both of them have very limited flaws. But I think the first one did something so powerful with the betrayal that it's hard for me to like ever feel that way about like another video game has to try really hard to give me a story that's going to get me that immersed. And I think that the story, like the twist that you find out in Infinite is still a cool one. But I think any time that you involve like multiple dimensions or time travel stories get like really convoluted and weird and they get like, you know, you can poke holes in the plot sometimes like a lot easier when those two things are involved. Like look at kingdom hearts, for example, everybody loves kingdom hearts, but the games are like out of this world, the most Japanese story (laughs) you could ever, ever witness. They're, they're crazy and they don't make any sense. And that's kind of what happens when time travel and this, whatever, it's still a good story. But I think that the original story in the first game just pieces itself together better without as many like potential plot holes and it grips you more. And that's what really got me with that. So I, I had great feelings when finishing Infinite, but they weren't as strong. So you know. I think it's fair. I think that's fair. Now, Angela, you uh, played Infinite. You got to watch Bioshock. And these are all, these are all fairly recent things that have happened. You're, they're pretty fresh in your mind. Having experienced both of them, what are, so, what are your thoughts? The reason Infinite is in my top five, other than that it's a spectacular game, is I played it. <laughs> you know, I played through that entire thing. That's the other thing. Like a lot of times I don't finish games. Like I'm horrible about finishing games. Um, I, I Soundlord with the played this, you know, and really in a rather short, you know, span of time too, not as short as Eduardo's, but um, I finished this game and I was just so blown away by it. And, and the gameplay I feel like is a lot smoother than Bioshock and granted that's you know the time that it came out much later things had advanced um I liked that you know the you have the vigor in your left hand and then you have your gun in the other hand and it wasn't like a choice between like juggling the two it was like you had well it was just very easily (laughs) it was just very easy to (laughs) get out of a choice you said um it was very easy to toggle between the right. two, you know, like I felt like that was harder to juggle in Bioshock the like couple of minutes that I played it. Um, that being said, I think Bioshock has it over infinite in terms of the story and the 
atmosphere like the atmosphere like just the imagination that created rapture and all the things they drew on and i love the 1950s and that was just like jam-packed with this 1950s vibe and that they drew from rockefeller center for influence you know in the art deco style and and it just it i thought it was just the most enthralling story and the fact that it was this underwater city and oh my gosh like you could just go on and on and and I loved, again, loved Infinite. And they also did a brilliant job with creating this city um, and doing the old timey thing. But just in terms of my preferences of like time periods and and um, just visuals, visual styles and stuff, I think I would choose Bioshock for that reason. And and for the story, the the reveal, I think, was huge. Do you think you would now that you kind of have seen everything and you know what's coming, do you think you would go back and play Bioshock yourself real quick before Eduardo goes? So um, I don't know because it's, it's, it's still a, it's yeah, like scarier you're when you're holding controller, the controller. Like it, it's you know? a frightening game. And, uh, and I don't love the, uh, the, um, when you're like unlocking, not unlocking when you're hacking. Yeah. There's hacking. a lot, and I know yeah, that like hacking, hacking a lot of times yeah. is, you know, an option. You don't have to, but like you kind of need to, like to get through that game, like you need to do a lot of hacking. Yeah. Hacking got way better in oh, Bioshock okay. 2. Yeah, but. So that's one yeah, thing. But that that's was like improved. another thing yeah. with like a timer on it, and that stresses me out. <laughs> so <laughs> that I don't know if I'll go back and play it or not. I mean, maybe, probably, but. We'll get you on stream. <laughs> so you'll stream it. We all know what I'm gonna say, um, but I will say it anyway. Uh, for Street me, Five. For, for Street Fighter Five is the winner. Uh, <laughs> for me, the winner is Bioshock Infinite. Um, and uh, here's here's what I'm gonna say is one for me specifically. It's because I enjoyed it better. I had a more memorable experience with it. I remember the big, the big twist in Bioshock, the original, but that's sort of the only moment that sort of keeps poking in my head. Of, of what made that game so special. But when I think about Bioshock and it for me personally, there are so many things that I can point the finger to to say, wow, I really enjoyed this, 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 and this. And I think in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, I know um, we, we can differ on this. And we're honestly, uh, we're, we're grasping at straws here because yeah. they're both fantastic games. Um, in, in my opinion, Bioshock Infinite put the package together better part of it due in part to it being a later release and the technology being there part of it due to the characters. I thought Elizabeth at the time was a crowning achievement in video games. And I think she was the predecessor to the last of us. Like that entire relationship between Booker DeWitt and Elizabeth, in my opinion is the reason the last of us was as great of a game as it is. Um, and it's that type of relationship that has sort of sparked into other games. And it's sort of, you could take Last of Us, you could talk about uh, the most recent God of War. All of that started with Infinite. All of that started with the random conversations Booker DeWitt and Elizabeth would have and the small little nuggets you would get along the way. And I think when I put all of that together, it, it outweighs the big reveal of Bioshock. And I think that's what I mem- remember most and sort of relate to most of the first Bioshock, which is why I would put Infinite above. Would you kindly <laughs> change your opinion? <laughs> no. Code <laughs> yellow. <laughs> um, now, Ken um, Ken Levine is he's got a new studio. He's putting together a new game. It's definitely not a Bioshock game. 
say there was a Bioshock 4. Say they decided we're doing a new Bioshock. What does that even look like, right? Do we go back to Rapture? Do we go back to Columbia? Do we go somewhere new? Do we find a city on the moon? Or we go underground? Or we're just in a regular city because it's between the (laughs) sea and the sky? (laughs) What does Bioshock 4 look like? I don't know, man. It's hard. Like, I almost don't want them to go on with it because very similar to what I said earlier about Kingdom Hearts and the story just getting weirder and weirder over time because they keep, you know, Kingdom Hearts keeps adding these things and then they have to go back and explain things that they did in the past because the things they did in the most recent game don't make the things that made sense in the past make sense anymore. So like, I kind of fear that if they keep going with Bioshock and they try to add more to the same story it could get even more confusing and kind of go down the kingdom hearts route that being said it would be really hard to have the game in either one of those two environments a second time unless you're going to pull kind of this a similar story that infinite had where you're like oh you're in a different dimension it's like a, it's a different reality of this same universe just play it you'll like it like so i feel like they would have to come up with another, they'd have to do a, a ton of things. They'd have to come up with a great story because you know those two specifically have amazing stories. They'd have to come up with something that feels similar with like whatever they're gonna call vigors and etc. Like gameplay wise, and they'd have to do it in a really extravagant setting that isn't in the sky, like you said, and it's not in the water. Like they'd have to do it something, and <laughs> somehow there's a lighthouse involved because there's always a lighthouse. Um, so I I don't know that I necessarily want it. I think I would I would absolutely jump on it if it exists at some point in the future, but it like just kind of worries me that it might get too convoluted. Yeah. If Ken Levine wanted to do that, I would be interested. Like I I think he puts out really great work and I would be interested to see what he comes up with. That being said, there's is such a thing as too much of a good thing and I say this as, you know, huge Star Wars fan. I feel over inundated with Star Wars stuff. And I love Star Wars. But like, for example, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, they used to do a yearly, you know, special event, Star Wars weekends. And it was just a couple select weekends in May. And they would, you know, bring out a ton of Star Wars characters. They'd play Star Wars music in the streets. They'd have special meet and greets. They would have shows where they'd interview people from the movies or the TV shows or whatever. And it was, it was really, it just felt so unique and special to come out to that event. Cause it was a special thing that was not a year round thing. And now, you know, they got rid of that and they have launch bay and then they're about to open star Wars land. That being said, I'm sure galaxy's edge is going to be fantastic. I know there are people watching who might have more um, clarity on that and feelings about that. However, I, you know, I don't know. It's hard. I just, I, to really love a thing so much, but it just, it can get ruined or distorted or, or your love for a thing can be lessened somehow by too much of it. And so I, I feel that way about Bioshock. Like I, you know, I mean, lightning really did strike twice for them, but a third time, like, I just, I don't know. I <laughs> And when you've got like, you know, city in the sky, city, you know, under the water, 
where else can you go? I mean, you and still have it like maybe set in like an old timey period because that was what really drew me in was the old timey period. So it can't be like in space. I need a light bulb. I have a candle. It's it's not lit, but just imagine this is a light bulb over my head. This is what they do. They just bring back <laughs> Bioshock 2 multiplayer. <laughs> As its own game. Everyone would play it. Okay. Problem solved. You're welcome, world. But that's totally not gonna happen. Look, I respect both of your opinions. I think you are both right. I think another Bioshock would probably be ridiculous. Ken Levine is not working on a new Bioshock game. It's just something I wanted to talk about. But since you're both boring, I'll be the one to talk about <laughs> what wacky things I want out of Bioshock 4. That Go for it. What if, and we talked we talked about this a little bit in Bioshock 2, but what if, and this is me just showing like my, my stripes here, but what if it was set in a theme park? Maybe a theme park viewed as the theme park of tomorrow, the world of tomorrow, in a very similar vein to Epcot Center. What if that was the abandoned world you got to visit. What if something like that? Could you imagine a Bioshock game set in an area? Because like, I think about my favorite parts of uh, Bioshock Infinite, and I want to say my favorite world was the my favorite world was the the Hall of Soldiers, which is where you go and you see the um, the different battles of the platoons, and um, there are all these like it's not necessarily a dark ride, but they're like these like pop out figures. And I, I think about what a world like would that would like a dystopian rundown theme park would look like in a video game. And I think the only video game it would make sense in would be a Bioshock game. Well, you gotta, you gotta go back to Bioshock too then. Cause it kind of already exists very slightly at its. Yeah, but I want it to be good. <laughs> it is good ish. Just don't do the, <laughs> don't do the harvest missions, man. You listen, they, they brought, they made hacking better. They allowed you, you thought it was infinite Angela, but it's cause you hadn't played two in two is when they first oh. brought dual wielding things. So you could vigor, well, you could plasmid and you could weapon at the same time in Bioshock 2. So there were some improvements, okay? Just play it on hard mode. Don't harvest anything. Don't don't even talk to the little sisters. Just let, let, let them do their own thing, you know? Sure. Look at the bodies on the floor that they would harvest and teabag them a few times and ah, then walk away. That's or the spirit. Like, that's how I, I get it. I do like your idea, the <laughs> yeah, abandoned right. theme park idea. And like, I'm just laughing thinking about, you know, empty show buildings that aren't being used and who knows. <laughs> Who knows what's happening there? Correct. And, like, and they're little, walking like, through audio pirates of the Caribbean. That come to right. life and stuff, just like the the Washington and Lincoln figures. The Atlas of the game could be a fat, short, blonde lady who's supposedly steering you the right way the whole time, but in reality, she's screwing you over. Are you talking about Dolores Umbridge right now? Art imitates life, Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Art imitates life. I think it'd be a fun experience. I don't think they'll ever do it, but if they did, that would be my want for the game. Um, now, I think about a game like Bioshock, and I can point to a couple other games that have sort of made me made me feel similar ways. But I can't think of a game that has really truly captured me like the Bioshock game since they've come out. And I wonder if. <laughs> I wonder if Bioshock, the type of games that Bioshock has put out are, are sort of a dying breed of games. A game, sort of this like genre that, that will never really truly experience 
again, which doesn't necessarily need to be first person, but it needs to be this sort of immersive world. And I think in part of the reason why it doesn't exist is because it, I almost think it has to be first person, even though I just said it doesn't have to be, but it, I think it does have to be first person because you have to feel some sort of agency for the character, right? You, you can't see another character there. You need to feel like you are them. You need to feel sort of a connection there. And I think the first person really helps with that. And I don't think there has been a game since that has sort of captured that feeling. I mean, I the only thing that kind of has looked similar to me in the last few years is We Happy Few. And I own it because it was on Steam sale, but I haven't played it yet. But We Happy Few looks pretty similar to like, a Bioshock-esque game, but I don't know if you're like introduced to the main character or if you are the main character. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. So from what I understand, We Happy Few got some pretty poor reviews. Um, and so that's why I say I don't... I'm sorry. I thought you already purchased it. Uh, it's okay. But it, it got... Uh, Moat Mo doesn't like it either. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Uh, apparently it got some pretty lukewarm reviews. <laughs> and people had really high expectations for it because of its similarities to Bioshock. And look... They, they had to have known that. They had to have known when they created that game that, it, that they were making a game that looked like Bioshock, that had that feel, and it had a lot to live up to. And I think it, that's in large part why games like that aren't coming out is because how do you fill those shoes? Like you said, they struck lightning in a bottle twice. How does another studio even come close? It, it has to be. It yeah. seems like it needs to be someone's you know passion project You know that a video game companies willing to fund and nowadays it seems like so many games are coming out that they just want to make money off of it like all the extra dlc and um you know like we were laughing earlier about like the new star wars battlefront 2 <laughs> and it's got you know i thought the the um the campaign you play is pretty fun but it was really short and then it was over, and then there's, like, all this extra stuff you're expected to pay for or download or whatever. And it was just, you know, it's just disappointing because um, they just, they don't, they don't see a profit there, like, to, to build this whole, like, single-player world for you to play in. Like, there's no benefit to them money-wise for it. So, like, why, why do it? And, yeah. <laughs> That's it. I'm quitting my job. <laughs> I also make Bioshock 2 multiplayer. I also feel like there's a there's sort of a lack of original content, not just in video games, oh, yeah. but in movies in general and things like that. Like we live in a world right now where rather than putting out original stories and original content, we are rehashing a lot of the tales that we've told already in the past for nostalgia and for a lot of different reasons. And I think you can sort of mirror that in the video game landscape. The fact that we're on Call of Duty Black Ops 4, the fact that we're on Assassin's Creed 10, the fact that we are, you know in our next iteration um, of basically every game that's, that's out right now is basically a continuation, right? Just Destiny Smash 3, Ultimate. Halo 6, like everything is just Smash Ultimate, and you, even Smash and Ultimate. Then you, you go into movies even and like all the hot movies coming out yeah, this year are remakes of the other or... movie, of old Disney movies. Like or, movies and, or movies yeah. based off of other properties, like of comic book movies. Not to say that I don't love comic book movies, but they are properties based off of another sort of this, this other idea rather than original stories. And I think what made Bioshock so special was its originality. Like there is nothing out there like Bioshock, nothing, nothing that I think comes close to, to sort of the storytelling and, and the world that they built. And I think that is sort of lost in our, in our, our video game landscape right now. And I think it'll, 
it'll take a lot and it'll take a very large shift in where video games are going for games like that to see a resurgence. I agree. Well, I hope they do. Yeah, me too, yeah. man. I just want to have another moment like that. Like, I want to have another <laughs> skyhook in the throat moment. Don't we all? Maybe, maybe Will Smith will show up at our house and he'll neuralize us and then we can play Bioshock again. You know what? If Will Smith shut up in my house, he could do whatever he wants. I don't care, man. It's Will Smith. Oh, my God. Right. I'm out. It was great. Have a great night. Oh, my See you God. Later. Will Smith is the man, man. <laughs> Um, but I think that's going to do it for this episode <laughs> of Squad Up now that I've talked about how much I love Will Smith. Um, but before we go, I want to thank both of you for being here. Angela, thank you for being here. We're going to have to have you on more often. But before um, we say goodbye, how about you let the folks know where they can oh, find you on okay. the internet if you want um, to be found. So um, I can be found <laughs> on the Twitter. Um, and my handle is Angela underscore Hartman. My last name, H-A-R-T-M-A-N. Um, yep. And for, yeah, for now, and then a shameless plug (laughs) that I think a lot of my friends Mm -hmm. actually don't know this, um, on my Twitter page, I have a link also to my YouTube page, youtube.com slash bellrose 74, um, where you can find old videos of me singing opera and doing Disney covers. So if you want to check that out, I didn't know that (laughs) same. What? <laughs> I know what the stream's doing after this. Hey, it's, no, we should have played your stuff. Um, you yeah, so that's where you can find me on the interwebs. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be Angela Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's cool. um, Peaches, you already know what's up. Let the folks know. Yo, twitch.tv slash peaches, P-E-A-C-H-3-Z, because I'm edgy. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at D underscore peaches. After we're wrapped up here, I'm going to go back onto my stream over on that channel, and we're going to try to finish up Bioshock before I fall asleep, because I'm looking to play some Bloodborne. I know that's not Bioshock related, but when I finish Bioshock, that's what we're doing. So if you want to join me on that channel after this, please do. And uh hope you guys had a good time. As always, it's fun to be here talking about the best game of all time. All time. Wow. Of all time. You can find me over at twitch.tv slash abcdeduardo. I'm at abcdeduardo1 on Twitter. Um, you can find this podcast at Squad Up Podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. Uh, but that's going to do it for myself, for Angela, for Peaches. <laughs> good luck. Lord, fuck Lord, fuck Good luck. Have fun. The man chooses a slave obeys. A slave obeys. Bye, everybody. Intro music. My shiny teeth and me. Shiny teeth and me. There you go. That's some free Uh, intro music right there. No copyright.